Improving health literacy, the ability to understand and act on health information, is key to improving health outcomes and lowering costs. Welcome to the Health Literacy 2.0 podcast, the podcast series from EdLogix where we talk with business, HR, health, and community leaders and explore unique, data-driven, and effective behavior-changing solutions that can help improve people's health literacy and increase their engagement with health and wellness programs. For show notes and bonus resources, visit www.edlogix.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast Health Literacy 2.0, where we talk about workforce health and other related issues around health literacy. My name is Seth Serchner. I'm the Chief Health Officer at EdLogix, and I am so pleased today to be joined by a friend and colleague, Sushant Gupta, who is the founder and CEO of MioMind, a very I think you will find interesting and innovative company around mental health. So, Sean, thanks for joining today. Thank you for inviting me, Seth, and thank you for the kind introduction. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, Sushant, we've been working together now for a little over a year. We've crossed paths at Optum. I've gotten to know you, and it's been really a delight. But why don't you give us a little bit of background on your kind of career path and how you ended up in this role today? So I have a background in healthcare and technology. So started out really training as a computer scientist and then very quickly moved into healthcare. So first at McKinsey, worked in public health and life sciences, then worked at Abbott, again in life sciences, and then did some work in medical devices, ICU patient monitoring and digital health. Then did a short stint in the venture capital in medical devices based out of Boston. And I worked most recently at Optum, primarily working in the mental health aspect, both on the fair side as well as care delivery. While at Optum, I really understood that there was a lot of opportunity in mental health. There were just so much unmet need. I had an aha moment that why not, you know, start to address some of these unmet needs. So yeah, got together with the founding team and we started MewMind. Yeah, incredible. And I mean, you're so humble. You did do a little education along the way a little place called Harvard Business School to help you get some more capabilities around this. So I appreciate that. Before we get into actually what MioMind is, I am curious, you mentioned the team. How did you gather the team? Because you've got some great people that I've been working with lately. How'd you meet all of them? Yes, absolutely. I met Makan through some common friends. And I think great thing was that both of us were very passionate about mental health. I think both of us were looking for solutions based on our personal experiences. Makan already knew Ani, and so all three of us got together. Ani, as you know, is leading the clinical aspect. Makan leads the product and technology aspect. Yes, great. Okay, well, so let's talk about mental health for a second. I mean, it was funny, and you know we've recounted this story numerous times. When you came to me to say, Seth, I'd love to have you, you know, kind of maybe even work and advise me on this and our team, I was thinking to myself, oh, no, not another mental behavioral health startup. <laughs> you know, not that we've solved the issue, but like, okay, that doesn't sound that interesting. And then you start to describe the idea to me, and I, in my kind of most relaxed, stay curious, Seth, be open-minded mindset, I thought, this is interesting. So talk a little bit about the actual solution, because I think people are very aware of 
the mental health epidemic out there, and in particular, the issues around quality and access to that. So tell everybody a little bit about what your idea was and frankly, how you came to that idea. Yeah, sure. So MioMind is an on-demand alternative to psychotherapy. And we started MioMind because we needed MioMind. It is a solution that addresses the issues with access as well as stigma. The core problem that we're trying to address is simply the shortage of mental health professionals in the U.S. The waiting time to see a therapist in the U.S. can be up to a few months in a state like California. And we felt that how do we create a solution that provides not only high-quality clinical help, but also is on-demand, is really patient-centric. So what we have built is really hundreds of recorded therapy sessions that any member can come in and access at any point in time. And these are curated as per the member's need, so they can come in and tell us what are the problems they are facing and then get appropriate recommendations based on their needs. So I'm going to stop you right there. So I want to make sure everybody understands this concept. So I, as a member, go on and I say, my problem is I have anxiety. And you ask me a few more questions like, is it about relationships or work or something that happened to you? I answer that. Then you serve up to me out of your hundreds and hundreds of sessions, a pre-recorded session of a therapist, a real therapist, yeah. a real patient yeah. talking about kind of that patient's issues around anxiety and relationships or whatever it may be. Am I getting that right? Yes, that's absolutely right, sir. These are pre-recorded sessions and the patients in these sessions are either current or former patients who actually gone through these symptoms themselves and are navigating through this with a therapist. So it's like reality TV in a way, right? Yeah. So, you know, when I heard this idea, I thought, and I've had some clinical background. I work in a methadone clinic. I've done some of this, you know, professionally myself. And all of our images is that therapy is a very kind of two-way street and very personalized. Right. So what makes you think and made you think that listening to someone else's session could have therapeutic value? Great question. So I think a lot of the benefit that is derived is from understanding the CBT skill that specific therapist is, is introducing in that specific session. CBT skills, did you say? Yes, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's the center stone of our platform. We use all evidence-based therapy. The other aspect is really about normalizing a lot of the symptoms here, where you are listening to another client who is going through symptoms similar to you. And I think it's super helpful to understand that you are not alone. Our users tell us that sitting alone brings a lot of relief to understand that what you're going through is normal and it can be solved and other people have already felt better. That makes a lot of sense. We were kidding about this earlier that you know, so many people are listening to like webinars and podcasts by psychologists, and there are even TV shows of watching people in therapy. And of course, people go to YouTube for everything these days. So why wouldn't they be potentially comfortable with this? Such a non-threatening way. I have other questions, but I want to back up to CBT for a second. 
people may not be familiar with that concept. Can you talk about why you think that's the cornerstone, I think you said, of the approach? As a platform, we want to focus entirely on evidence-based therapies. As you would know, a large part of the therapies that are practiced today are not evidence-based. And we want to stay away from that. So we focus really on CBT, DBT, EFT, positive psychology that have proven outcomes. And that reflects in the way we select our therapists, that reflects in the way we present our content on our platform. And not just that, in addition, we also have clinical metrics to ensure that our patients are improving over time. Because that's really the ultimate objective. You know, as you said, it is reality TV, but with the objective of providing real clinical help to our members. Yeah, and I've also noted, because I've listened to a few of these sessions, that we've got a real recommendation-oriented some might have the picture of therapy as tell me more about your dreams or whatever, you know, very kind of psychoanalytic. And there's a place for everything. And I know you don't necessarily, you know, say that this is displacing all other therapies, but it's not that kind of therapy. It's very problem-based. It's very recommendations. In a session, a therapist might give three or four recommendations. And if the listener can even pick up one or two of those, then all the better. Am I following that right? Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest trends that we have in the platform that we give a very curated, personalized list of sessions that are specific to everybody's needs. And we recognize that, you know, the kind of help that everybody needs is very different. And so that's the reason we have over 500 sessions now across various topics, all the way from anxiety, depression to identity. You know, I think there's probably people out there kind of listening to this thinking, yeah, but what happens if somebody starts to find themselves? really triggered from the conversation and starting to feel worse or even really bad, what would happen or how do you deal with that? So we have mechanisms on our platform for us to figure out if somebody is being triggered. For example, you could chat with a coach. There are specific sessions which are sensitive where we actually ask our users that this can be a trigger and therefore we give that out proactively. But so far, we have not seen any adverse events here. We have not seen anybody, you know, feeling worse than what they were. But we continue to provide a lot of other resources. So we have a full section on mental health resources that can be used for highly acute patients and they can, you know, use it in self-service. Yeah. So like if I was on there and I was really having trouble, 988 pops yeah. up, you know, it's easy for me to find that. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So tell me, though, you started this as a consumer platform. How many consumers and how is that part going? Yeah, so we started as a consumer because we wanted to build out the product and content. As you can imagine, we are pretty content heavy. And now we have about 40,000 users there. So it's become a pretty big and popular platform among our users. Right. I mean, I think, didn't you tell me it's in the, at least the top 10 mental health apps on the Apple and Google store and you get some five-star rating and all that good stuff, right? Yes, we do. Top 10 on both App Store and Play Store, very highly rated 4.9 on App Store, I think 4.8 on Play Store. So doing really well on the user satisfaction front. So now you're trying to break into the commercial world, mm -hmm. employers and payers and all the rest, now that you've demonstrated that 
consumers like it and the, the tool works and all of that. It's interesting to me, right? Most employers have some kind of mental health, behavioral health, at least that, maybe an EAP. So where does this fit in the ecosystem of a typical employer? Yeah, so that the way we look at MuMind is this is a complementary solution to all existing solutions to increase access. Our objective really here is to provide another alternative to every single employee or health plan member who is not able to access therapy because of stigma or just the difficulty of finding a therapist. It's just not easy. The whole friction, whether you're navigating EAP or your health plan. So for us, I think it's really about addressing stigma as well as access and adding to the current ecosystem. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I know that I have accessed our EAPs over the year and access therapy. It's kind of a big barrier to even just pick up the phone and know you're going to have to explain yourself and figure out who you want. And they're going to ask you all kinds of questions before you can even try. And one thing that strikes me, this is, I call them beginners. Like if you've just never done this before, it's a really good beginner way or even intermediate. If you're really into mental health Mm -hmm. already, maybe there's 20% that, you know, this might not be right for, but it feels like it's a pretty easy kind of way to go about it. Is that part of the idea for people? Exactly, sir. You know, before I found a therapist that I really like, I went to three therapists who I did not like. Mm -hmm. I think that was not an easy process to share all your details with like one therapist after another until you realize that, there is not a good fit here. I think mean, MuMind allows you to sample a variety of therapists very quickly and understand, do you have similar lived experiences? Do you have similar values? And does that therapist work for you? And one of the reasons I was so excited to get you on this podcast was because, you know, MuMind is a specific example, but just this idea of how we're innovating technology to support mental health We know during COVID, people used virtual services. And frankly, the physical virtual health kind of went down. Behavioral health, people said, you know what? I like seeing my therapist this way. And, you know, some of these digital tools seem like they fit in that category. Absolutely. And I think there's, you know, as the pandemic has evolved, that the efficacy of virtual behavioral health is pretty high. So I think it is here to stay. It is definitely more convenient. So there are a lot of advantages of virtual on-demand solutions. Yeah, before I switch gears, talk about that efficacy for a second. Have you done some studies or pre-post to show that some people are benefiting from this? Yes, we have. What we do is we administer PHQ and GAD on our app itself. So we do a pre and post. What we have found from those studies is that 80% of our members improve on their anxiety and depression scores in two to three weeks. And that's been very encouraging. It just shows that the kind of content that we're creating is having real impact. Yeah, that's incredible. So I'm going to flip it a little bit. I think it's related, but you know, and even this podcast about health literacy, I'm very passionate about this. And I'm passionate about the idea that people have their own personal skills, knowledge, confidence to navigate the system. And, you know, the AdLogix platform, I think, is one way of doing that. Another great example of using technology and gamification to help people 
understand issues. There's a mental health module on that, but talk about your understanding. We'll call it mental health literacy. (laughs) Do people have it? Do they need more of it? Is that a part of the equation here? What's your thoughts on that topic? Yeah, I think health literacy is very important. And I was having a discussion with Tom. I think they're doing some great work in this area. In terms of mental health literacy, I think there are really two important aspects to touch. One is really readiness for therapy. And I think there is so much that you know we need to do in terms of creating an understanding of what does a therapy session look like, what to expect, what do you discuss, and really making people comfortable with this idea. And the second aspect is destigmatizing as well as normalizing therapy. I think there is a lot of cultural aspects to this. There are a lot of aspects related to your employer that play into the stigma. And I think health literacy has a very important role to play here, where giving an understanding of what to expect is very important. Yeah, I love that kind of readiness part of it too, right? Because when you think about physical, like an injury, I'm going to go get my knee redone. There's all this prep for it and I'm trying to get ready for it. And I want to understand what it is and what's going to happen during it and after and all of that. But there's no place for mental health to say, by the way, this is how you might want to get ready for it and think about it and what's going to happen. And, you know, after a session, what you might experience, let alone all the kind of etiology of the disease itself or the nature of it. So kind of does make sense that there's some of that. And I know you are combining potentially some opportunities for Mio and AdLogix to work together. Wouldn't that be perfect? Someone's searching for anxiety information to get ready <laughs> to learn. And by the way, now, as soon as you're ready, seven o'clock at night, boom, you can have that resource. I really like those two big themes of readiness and normalization. So employers are all experiencing this epidemic. It's very challenging. We've talked a little bit about this solution. If you had a couple words of wisdom to share, kind of recommendations for employers who are trying to address this right now, what would you say? There are a couple things you want to leave us with. I think one aspect is really about culture, which is, I think as an organization, you need to start talking more about mental health. That will have a very big role to play in normalizing mental health issues, whether that is related to work or anxiety, depression, and giving an understanding of what are the options for every employee out. A lot of it is really about understanding that you have a lot of options for a lot of the problems that anybody is facing. And the second recommendation that I have is that they should really empower their employees with more solutions to increase access. I think that's where a solution like New Mind comes handy, where the employers need to understand that there is a huge gap between prevalence and access when it comes to mental health. And bringing on new innovative solutions is an answer to that. Yeah, I love the idea of culture. And we've seen huge progress. We've seen employers, you know, go to really hard topics, even suicide, obviously, with all that's happened, death and dying and all these other grief issues. But if you don't have a solution, or if they pick up the phone and they can't talk to somebody for three weeks, it made things worse. 
So I agree with that idea of connect the culture with the resources. And so many companies do have resources. I've been in these conversations where they say, we need more access. Our people can't get a therapist. They can't find a therapist that they like, to your point earlier. And to empower it, and it feels pretty empowering to be able to say, yeah, no, you can just go and find somebody and sort the questions. And if you don't like what they popped up, you can search your own topics. So technology is going to be so helpful for us that way and making it so evidence-based. One big topic, you've got more than 500 sessions, you keep adding sessions, but workplace mental health issues, for example, burnout and kind of getting along with your boss and all those issues. Is this a tool that can help address some of those issues as well? Oh, absolutely. We've in fact done micro surveys on our platform and we've seen that we've had a meaningful impact on productivity and burnout. And these are some very big themes for employers. A lot of them are at the core related to mental health. So these are, I'd say, things that we are able to address through MioMind and an on-demand solution is a smart way to address these. I think that's really helpful. I've talked to one company that's done an employee survey, burnout survey, and more than 80% of their people were burnt out because they did a big layoff during COVID and they didn't rehire. And more than 50% are having significant symptoms. So again, while so many of our employers have something, they might be able to use more. And I assume, again, that some of these digital resources are pretty cost-effective as well. So I really appreciate it. I really like this idea, too, that there's some mental health literacy that can come in here, too. You talk about the culture and talking, but just helping people. We normalize it. We have content that they can digest, whether it's video forms or gamification or things like that, so that then they feel comfortable and ready to jump into whatever resources. Sushan, it's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate it. I hope people got a lot out of this, opened their minds a little bit to some technology and some different ways to think about therapy. And I've been very clear about, I think this is an approach to addressing the access gap and improving health equity. So Thank you again for your time. Thank you, Seti. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on the Health Literacy 2.0 podcast, the podcast series from EdLogix, where we talk with business, HR, health, and community leaders and explore unique, data-driven, and effective behavior-changing solutions that can help improve people's health literacy and increase their engagement with health and wellness programs. Remember, for show notes and bonus resources, visit www.edlogics.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe and share the show with your colleagues. Thanks and see you soon.